what we do here is go back, 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 back. Um, and he's he's just a true island shutdown corner. That's what he, that's what he is. He, he's an island boy. Cause I'm an island boy, and I've been trying to make. Oh, I'm an island boy. Welcome back to another edition of the Raider Take Podcast. I am Micah McDonald. With me, as always, is Andy McDonald. And we are into draft season, baby. We are into combine season. We are into the off season for the most part. A lot of good information going around. A lot of uh, interesting things happening on not only just, uh, you know, Raiders front, but just overall player projection front and just these these uh, college guys coming out here to make a name for themselves. So we are going to get into uh, some stuff, some positional things uh, before we do, before Andy gives us the rundown. How are you doing, sir? I am. I am great, man. You know, I just love, I love draft season. I love geeking out on this stuff. Um, had to just like most balance <clears throat> certain things when you're like, you know, this is the combine week. So the first couple of days, you know, they get, they get measured. Um, they have their interviews with the teams, um, things like that. So when you start hearing, um, Oh, the Raiders met with these prospects and, you know, kind of leaning a certain way, it's that, that's their job. They're supposed to go out there and interview players. Now what's funny and I'll touch on it about Josh McDaniels is that I, I've listened to a couple of interviews that he had, he's spoken at the combine, but one of the things that he said is that like, Hey, like our job is to come out here and meet with these players. Like we want to evaluate them. We've, you know, the combine is a good thing to do as far as evaluating, you know, the certain tests, only certain tests are applicable to certain positions, you know, don't really care how much your wide receiver can bench press, you know, don't really care about that. But um, so those things are good, but really it's about meeting the players and, and, and kind of analyzing the person because you have enough on film to understand their traits and abilities, you know, things like that. But one of the things that he said was, is like, Hey, we're out here to meet with these players. Like we want to make sure that we do, as much research on our end and also kind of get the FaceTime that we can. And if you haven't, um, I guess over the last couple of years when Gruden's been around, how many players have we selected that they're like, I never even spoke with the Raiders, you know? It, and like one of them was Cleo Mack and I always thought that was fascinating, but obviously that worked out and that was before Gruden, but there are so many that like, I hadn't even spoken with Gruden or, but I'm excited to be a Raider. And I'm just like, okay, maybe some of the misses and we're talking about character. We're talking about certain things, you know, um, that we've lost players on or we've uh, they've been busts or you know for certain situations right I'm like yeah it does matter it's not the end all be all and I'm not saying that's why they busted you know but I'm like Gruden you know they didn't really interview a ton of players when they go out there which is surprising just based on Mayock's background but anyways it's kind of interesting and I'm just uh anyway that was a little bit of a t- uh, rant tangent there but oh, all good yeah but I was just gonna say like how are you gonna sit here and say that like you know the character of a person without ever like talking to them and like you could talk to all the people around them that you want you know what i mean but yeah to get a feel for the person to get a feel for that individual um in the heat of the moment of you asking them questions mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff uh you know it's like it's hard to not get a gauge of somebody you know what i mean <laughs> when yeah. you're when you're in that type of situation and and just taking someone you never talked to once is mm-hmm. a little weird 
Yeah, no, I, I just think it, it's, I mean, they only get like 15 to 20 minutes to meet with these prospects, you know, so it's like, you're not going to learn everything. I just think it's important to, if we have any chance you can to contact a potential prospect and use your time that way, then I think is great. And, you know, you have your scouting team that's still back in, you know, in Vegas doing their, you know, grinding the film. So then you send your personnel out there, like the McDaniels and the Zieglers of the world where they meet with these prospects because they're the ones making the pick. So anyways, it's a fascinating time of the year. I just love the combine. I love um, all the intricacies of it and it really helps, you know, it's, we're not, you know, we're, we're not scouts or anything like that. Right. But we have, we do pull, you know, kind of build out these lists like we're doing. And, and I think the combine um, and certain things like measures and things like that allow you to, decluster some folks that you're like, I don't know, do I, am I leaning this way? Am I leaning that way? That's really when prospects can elevate themselves and rise up the board or whatever board you have. So once again, we're not experts, but we love, you know, we love kind of diving into this section of, of the NFL, especially the draft and then being able to tell you guys, Hey, this is who we think, you know, would be a good fit for the Raiders and at what time of, you know, whether it's first round through, through seven. So we're going to get into, um, we're going to be breaking down, two different positions um we're going to give you our list our top five so what we did is mike is going to take the wide receivers i'm going to take the corners we'll give our list um you know we'll kind of break down the prospect itself and then we'll play off of each other that way um, before we get into that um did want to note as mentioned um listened in read up on some interviews that mcdaniels had specifically and a lot is being asked of number one Derek carr right and number two like hey what, what have you accomplished, you know, up to this point, where, where's your focus at? How do you evaluate prospects? Nothing too major to note, but um, there was a lot of Derek Carr stuff that he said, Hey, right now I'm just building a relationship with him. Um, you know, as far as like game plan strategy, things like that, that'll run its course over time. Um, and he's like, and also the contract thing too. So he's like, they haven't had discussions about a contract extension. That doesn't mean that they will not be pursuing that, which, for all intents and purposes, um, that sounds like it'll be the case. Him and Ziegler were both asked, is he your quarterback um, QB1 going into week one? They said, absolutely, that's been the plan. That's what attracted us about the job. Nothing that we didn't already know. Um, and then just another thing um, is uh, is the way that they're looking at it, which I really like. And they basically said, hey, how do you approach free agency? How do you approach um, you know the draft? Like, what, what do you look for in a player and when you add them to your team? And um, a lot of it was noted around, you know, like everyone says, work ethic, do they love football, you know, high character, high team first person, which isn't surprising coming from the um, brain trust of Bill Belichick, you know, but the way that they, I like the way they look at it. Cause there was a question specifically about um, Leatherwood as well. Like, Hey, what do you think about Alex Leatherwood? Do you think he's a guard? Do you think he's a tackle? And he said, I don't think it's fair to know that right now. He's like, I still, he's like, I think he is a resource basically. Um, and that's the approach they take in free agency. And it's like, can we, can we add someone that is, that's flexible, that can come in and play multiple positions, or that is just going to add, you know, to the team. Now, granted, that's a lot of political coach talk, right? We want to just make the team better. Yeah, no doubt. But I think when you talk about um, some of the reasons that we might've missed on prospects or free agents through the Gruden era, which he had a lot of power. And we've talked about that is he was very set in his ways on what he wanted. And I think that Ziegler and McDaniels have a good outlook around this is what we look for in a player. And then we're going to have to say, well, then what's best for the team in general, right? Where, what does bringing this person do to this person? How does this make, how can we kind of bring someone in and mold them into 
what we currently have and what we project as our core players. Think of the Max Crosby's, you know, Yonix on the D line. How do we complement those players? How do we get, oh, this bringing in this D tackle is going to elevate Crosby, things like that, right? So um, I think it's a, I prefer that approach. I think I don't want to talk too much about Gruden, but his, his stubbornness and in evaluation, his stubbornness on free agency or game plan or whatever, I think it just kind of, the results showed for themselves, but anyways, any thoughts on that? I know it's, you know, not much to, to take from McDaniels, but I think it's just cool to hear, to understand the way he thinks, the way the process is and how him and Ziegler, you know, work together. Yeah. And I think everything we've been hearing has been, been great things. Like you're, you're pointing out those little things. I think it's also been pretty status quo, like you said, as far as, you know, political uh, coach talk, what have you. I think one thing that I like about all of this is we're not really hearing much from either either of them up until this point in regards to like these interviews that they're doing and stuff like that. I feel like so, so many times we've heard we've get a new coach or new coach GM combo and they're doing all this talking. They're in the news for some reason whatsoever. We haven't heard anything from Zeigler McDaniels really since their press conference after being hired they haven't been in the news they haven't done much um and then you know here they are they're getting interviewed so you know it's it's kind of a, a breath of fresh air having you know these businessmen that are coming in to do their job to get things done um that is also one of those things that is very uh Bill Belichick-esque of like not talking to the media or anybody more than they absolutely have to you know here to not get fined type of thing but um i just think that's that's been something that i've noticed that it's like everything's been pretty quiet on the on the coach gm front in regards to you know speaking to the media or being in the news and mm-hmm. kind of like it yeah i mean i i think that's part partly the the new england or the patriot way um i think also it's like man there's been they've been trying to get their coaching staff assembled um, so many different things that have kicked kicked in since you know they they got on the scene. I do I I see it that way. I also do see it another way where McDaniel's. I think he he is similar to Belichick, but I think it's kind of his opportunity to be his own guy now. So now he can now he can be out there and be in the media and, and be involved. And I think just by what he shares, it sounds like he's pretty he's very genuine and not reserved in that sense. But I think the Patriot way is kind of keeping your cards close to the chest a little bit, close to the vest. I think that's the term. So yeah, it, it'll be good, and we'll learn a lot more, um, you know, as we go. But that's just been, um, you know, kind of the current news up to this point. Um, today is Thursday, so there is going to be some uh, some testing, some uh, some drills going on, um, kicking off, I believe, tomorrow. Yeah, I think it's tomorrow. Um, anywho, but so we'll see. And a, a lot of these, you know, I don't think a lot of the, our rankings will change, or thoughts will change, but. Once again, there's certain positions where you got to be able to hear there's a threshold, you know, and that's what we're going to talk about a little bit. So before we do that, though, I will kick it to you for the ad read so I can tell the people who this episode is brought to you by. Yeah, as always, this episode and this podcast is brought to you by DraftKings. Hoops fans, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is too good to pass up. I'm talking between the legs, 360 windmill good. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets. They win. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still take your shot at a big payday. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Basketball Contest. 
DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN. Bet just $1 on any NBA team to win and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code TPPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Must be 21 or older. Minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for a full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Void where prohibited. Minimum $5 deposit. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text TN Redline. That's 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. Okay, so as Andy was stating, we're doing each side of the ball. I have receivers. He's doing cornerbacks. We have dove into this very underrated, not super well-known resource called PFF to get stats and look up stuff and kind of take our stuff to the next level, really, as far as like knowledge and information, because, you know, we both love diving into this stuff. We also both don't have the time to just spend hours watching film. So this is a great resource for us. They got a lot of information on a lot of stuff. So this is at least all of my stuff, um, a lot of the information is coming from the, you know, the the data and stuff that they put out there. So um, I we are going to start and go five through one. So my number five receiver, and I will say uh, my number one receiver in regards to uh, interesting players for the Raiders to target at wide receiver is going to be Traylon Burks. Um, he's second round projection out of Arkansas. His size and speed is elite. He's 6'3", 225. Uh, He's big enough to win uh, possession plays and fast enough to beat somebody man-to-man. He's projected to be an X receiver. We've talked about that's kind of what we are needing, whether we address that in free agency, what have you. But he played mostly in the slot, um, which is very interesting for being a bigger guy like this. Played a lot in the slot, not a whole lot on the outside. So didn't face press coverage a whole lot. That's one of his potential weaknesses. How is he going to transition to the NFL where if you're playing on the outside, these corners are physical, they're in your face. He's got a big body to be able to battle that and whatnot. So it's yet to be seen, obviously, how that part of his game will transition. Um, And he is kind of just raw. He needs to to get better at his route running um, and just kind of uh, the intricacies of route running. They didn't have him running a whole lot of different um, routes from the route tree and whatnot. So um, that's one of the parts of his games that he needs to kind of build upon. So watching the highlight tape and stuff like that, everybody just throws out player projections, right? And, you know, they they have their suggestions on the website and who they see. But I watch watching the highlights. I was just like, okay, what do I feel like? Get, you know, get these vibes from these players. So um, for me, he I kind of got like a project AJ Brown vibe um, where He's not, you know, A.J. Brown was so, like, polished and NFL ready. Essentially, his ceiling could be um, that uh, to where he, uh, you know, if he gets better his route running, his anticipation, stuff like that, he's a big dude that'll win the one-on-one battles, and he'll just straight outrun you if he's got the ball in his hand. So, Sorry, I'm going to butt in here, and I, I promise I'll be quick. This is actually something that bugged me about what I had said um, on the pod after I listened to it, and 
I want to clarify, at least from my sense, is that when we say X, we need someone to win outside, right? So I think it's, I don't see it as an issue about if we draft someone that they have to just be this X receiver. We just need someone that can win outside because we have guys that can win inside with Waller or Renfro. Now, if we have someone that can win inside like Waller, we can flex Waller out, whatever, right? I just wanted to clarify that real quick. But I think saying that we need an X involves like, hey, we need someone that can win on the outside. So I get what you're saying. Appreciate the, the clarification. Yes. So my number four, Chris Olave, Ohio State. Um, he's projected uh, potential first-round talent. 6'1", 188. Uh, he's a top-tier route runner, top-tier speed. He's just not super special once he has the ball in his hands. He's not someone that's going to break a bunch of tackles. The thing he's good at is getting himself into open space and finding windows so he can get the ball and then go f- use his speed to go from there. But he's kind of a before before the catch kind of elite talent. Afterwards, he's still got some stuff he needs to kind of build upon. The question mark for him kind of is like, how is he going to develop? He's a senior, and he's the oldest um, out of a lot of these uh, wide receivers we're seeing come out of Ohio State. But he kind of got passed up uh, by a couple guys, um, one being our number two, my number two, when we get to that point. Also, uh, Jackson Smith Najiba. I don't know if I pronounced that correct. He's a baller, dude. He is he's a, he is, yeah, he's a baller. He is, I think... He's either a junior this year or he's going to be a junior. I think he's decided to stay, but he's really good. But a lot of it kind of got passed up a little bit as far as, you know, his production and just, you know, being the go-to guy. So question mark will be kind of how he develops and transitions to the NFL. This uh, player, just kind of player vibes here was uh, one that came from PFF. And as I'm looking at him, I'm like, okay, that makes a lot of sense. So that's why I didn't necessarily come up with a different one myself. But that's Calvin Ridley. Um, he's kind of uh, got some some Calvin Ridley vibes in regards to pretty great, uh, you know, off the line um, with his speed, can get open, um, get plays, not like the most insanely dynamic person after the catch. Calvin Ridley was one of those people that kind of was always in Julio Jones's shadow once he got into the NFL. And everybody was kind of like, when's he going to take that next step? When he's going to have the ability to take that next next step? Can he be the number one guy? So I think that's what you're going to see out of Olave when he comes into uh, the league as well. So going into um, my number three receiver, Jamison Williams, uh, Alabama, uh, projected first round guy, 6'2", 189. He is considered the best deep threat in this class. Uh, He's very shifty along with being fast. A lot of times the shiftiness for the taller guys at 6'2", you don't see a whole lot of people that have elite agility and shiftiness. He did tear his ACL in the national championship game. So how he recovers and where he comes back from that is going to be the interesting part of uh, his process throughout all of this. Once again, we do not ACL tear shame at all on this podcast. Uh, but one big thing for him on, on his draft stock is going to be how he recovers from that and you know how he kind of comes back. Watching his stuff, and, and I... I'm not going to say this is kind of a recency bias or a uh, same college bias, but I think he's got kind of like unpolished Jerry Judy vibes. Once again, another Jerry Judy, another guy that comes into the, you know, ready to be an NFL league player. He was NFL ready. Williams kind of has shades of that, but he just needs, he's kind of just like 
this raw talent that needs to kind of progress a little bit more and he can be that guy, but his ability to get open, um, his ability to make plays happen when he, when he's got the ball in his hands is, um, you know, one of the, as I'm saying, top three in this draft. Uh, so going into number two, as I mentioned, Garrett Wilson, Ohio state projected first round, uh, six foot one ninety two. He is one of the better all around receivers, uh, in this draft. And, he produced in the slot. He produced on the outside. He's very shifty, has great intuition after the catch um, as far as making people miss uh, seeing the lanes to go through. He's not that big, and he wasn't super great against press coverage, so he's probably going to be mainly a slot um, type of guy situation where it's like I have to see where it uh, you know, kind of transitions to the NFL in regards to playing on the outside, getting that bump and run. This was another one that was, uh, I kind of went along with PFF's, uh, you know, kind of vibes, but Deontay Johnson, kind of the same guy, you're, you know, great in the slot. You can move him all around, just get the ball in his hands and he can, you know, make plays happen. So, and then the number one is Drake London at a USC, highly regarded as a top 10 pick, 6'5", 210 pounds. He's going to be your true number one X, most complete package out of anybody in this draft he's one of those physical players who it's 80 20 when you throw the ball up to him you know that 70 30 80 20 range he's gonna come down with it more often than not um he's also big and physical he can block he's gonna be a great and that's where like kind of a good all-around player kind of comes into into play is he's gonna be able to block on the outside and and do just about anything you ask him to he did break his ankle after eight games this year so He's another guy that's going to be, you know, let's see how he jumps back from that broken ankle, how he recovers, all that kind of stuff. Um, I think all accounts are, you know, people are expecting him to kind of pick up where he left off and it's not going to be too much of an issue. But uh, for me watching him, I, I had Michael Crabtree vibes from him. You know, he's not necessarily someone who's just going to completely outrun you that you're never going to catch from behind, but he's very physical. He can get behind you. He's going to go up and beat you at the catch point. He's going to be able to run these these digs and these curls and just body you up and be that possession receiver. Um, and it's just going to be an all-around threat on the field, someone you're going to have to account for third downs. You're going to have to double-team him, and and he's just going to be, you know, kind of that, that number one guy uh, wherever he goes. So that is my list. Uh, Andrew, I know you've got a lot uh, to chime in about, and I know you've gotten very uh, diving headfirst with a lot of this draft stuff as we kind of transition in this area. So what do you yeah. have about that? This wide receiver? Well, yeah, and I, I don't have this type of fascination for most groups, but you look at wide receiver and you look at the corners at the two that we're doing today, and those are, those are needs for the writers. So number one, my intrigue is there. Um, number two, they're also fun positions to, to get into, to watch and to scout, you know. I, I really liked that, uh, the Crabtree comparison. I think that's, you know, someone who doesn't have this top end speed, right? But how it's basically you look at the player and you say, what can they do? How do they win? You know, so they win based off of, you know, that, those 50-50 balls turn into 80-20s, you know, with those clean routes that, hey, I can't beat you with speed or quickness, but my I'm a technician, you know. So London is a fascinating prospect. I don't know what he's going to run in the 40, to be perfectly honest. And um, I think that's just the scare um, as far as what it does. But I think once again, it's how, how, what do they do well? Right. And so it's like, is he someone that's going to run four, four? No, probably be 
high four fives, low four six, but is he someone that is going to probably come into the league and have eight touchdowns, you know, cause he's in just teared up in the red zone probably cause that's where his strengths are. So the only thing I guess to note, um, I, I'm a lot higher on Burks than, than you. I think he's fantastic. And it's, he's basically looks like he's built like DK Metcalf, not as rocked up, but that size. Right. Um, and he, but he plays like Debo Samuel or just utilized like, like you're saying, he's like, you're like, he plays in the slot predominantly. They run speed sweeps with him. It's because the dude runs like four, two, you know, he's like a high, he's probably going to run in the low four threes. And that's, he's a burner dude. And it's, it's, it's weird because he's so big. So it's just that sneaky fast, you know, and more of a strider than anything, but yeah, I, I really like Burks. And I think as much as the project, the projections are going to be what they are, you know, on certain, whatever site you look at, but I think those five guys go in the first round. Now, would they in every round? No, not necessarily. But I think you look at each class differently. You say, what are the strengths of this draft class? Instantly you look at wide receivers, DNs and, um, corners you know i think that it's a really good corner group so i think because of that then you're like hey not a lot of great not a lot of top end you know qb1s out there so and that usually pushes everyone else down and tackle tackle class is good not deep you know so i think i think all five of these guys are going to go in the first round and if we got burks at 22 that's awesome i think we'll go higher i think we have a shot with jameson williams just coming off of the acl but i think it's also the the fear and injury concern of acls have have dimmed down over the years because people have recovered. The data show that they can recover and be at full speed. You know, that's, they used to be more important back in the day, not back in the day, but five years ago. And it's just not as much. So I think all those guys are within striking distance. I think what Alave brings compared to what Wilson brings, you know, the Garrett Wilson comparison uh, to Deontay Johnson, really good inside the slot, smooth, you know, quicker than fast, but, He's a technician as well. And then Alave is more of that burner there. But I think the other thing too, is it's, it's about, you know, uh, ice cream flavors, right? <laughs> what do you like, right? What do you need? So every team's going to look at this. They'll have a different list. I guarantee it. And so it's what the Raiders need compared to what the Packers need compared to what the Chiefs need. It's just going to be different. So you look at your wide receiver room currently and say, Hey, who are we, who do we have in there? We got Renfro. We got Edwards, you know, obviously Waller's a target. Um, so we got him to build around, who knows about Zay Jones or Deshaun, you know, what have you, but it's like, what do we need? Well, we need kind of a burner. We need someone to win outside and we also need a deep, deep threat. I think Jameson Williams fits that bill. And also you can probably go back and forth on, um, on London and Wilson and Burks, but there is no deep threat like Jameson Williams. And that's going to give his value spark his value up more because teams know that if we don't, if we pass on him, is there someone else we can get in round two that's similar Good luck, right? Um, so it's fascinating. It's a deep class, and it's probably tough to to carve out five. But anyways, that's just my thoughts. Um, I can jump into the corners now if that works for you. All right. Well, I'm going to start classic classic form here. Um, I'm going to start with a little bit of kind of a background of how I like to look at things as far as like you know you put yourself in the GM shoes, the head coach shoes, and say, okay, how do how should we evaluate players? I looked at the corners and I said, well, before I evaluate the current class, I want to say, hey, who are the top corners in the league right now and why? So I listed off just a few names that came to mind. Jalen Ramsey, Marshawn Lattimore, Darius Slay, J.C. Jackson, A.J. Terrell, two-year player, but he's been pretty fascinating. Trayvon Diggs is on my list. Sorry, buddy. Um, and then and then I looked at traits. Still attacked. He just gets beat too much. 
And then I look at traits, right? And so of these five guys, all of them are between six foot and six one. Their speed, four, 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 five. And they all have, you know, or they're all very strong with their technique. They're very strong with, you know, the scheme versatility. I think some more than others. Um, and then I think there's, and I think they have evident physicality. Slay and Terrell, not as much, but they they are physical and press and they can have, you know, and run support with whether it's their run fits, whether it's their pursuit angle, shed and blocks, things like that. So I think all of those core intangibles, competencies, whatever, um, is really what um, the the top corners in the league show. So then I'm like, that's not the only lens I'm going to look through, but I want to be able to correlate certain things and what translates to the NFL. So um, getting into my list, um, number five is uh, Florida's Kair Elam. So he's someone that's, he's, I've seen him all across different boards as far as I think as high as three and as low as eight. What I did is, you know, I, I used a lot of the data and information that we got from PFF, like you mentioned. Um, and then I did cross-reference different um, analysts across the NFL that I respect, Daniel Jeremiah, um, Miller, things like that. And then I was like, well, I at least need to, because I've seen him play one off, you know, on a Saturday. So I watched, watched film on all five of these guys and just quick takeaways for me. So, so for Elam, he's 6'2". 195. Um, he's going to probably run in the high four fours, low four fives. Um, so I think pros for him, elite size and wingspan, you know, that's just, you don't see that a lot. I was actually going, this is the rabbit hole I was going into is I just looked at the top, you know, basically the top graded corners, top 50 graded corners in the NFL and the in their height. And I think only one of them was six, three, you know, and everyone else is six foot six, one, like I mentioned. So huge size, you know, wingspan, which helps as far as press, which helps as far as, you know, uh, deflecting passes, you know, things like that in between. He's an aggressive competitor. He's got that alpha mentality. I think a lot of these corners and wide receivers are kind of the, show, the showman of the class, right? A lot of, you know, like we talk about, you, you knock down a ball because it was a bad throw and it's just like, I'm the best of all time, best in the office, you know? So I think he's got that. I think he has that alpha mentality, which you need in a corner. Um, and then I think his exposure and his reps, right? So he played in the SEC for three years and his first year as a sophomore, or I think as a freshman, um, played 300 snaps. So basically part-time, you know, he's rotating. And then sophomore, junior year, he played over 600 snaps each year. So he, he was out there. He's obviously, um, he's good enough to be out there early on. It has a lot of snaps under his belt, a lot of experience and played in the top conference in, in college football. So um, some of the knocks on him, he's just a little too handsy. He got flagged a lot in college. And if you like getting flagged in college, come to the NFL because you're going to get flagged a lot more. So I think that's just because he wins off physicality and kind of that aggressive alpha, you know, uh, mentality. It's he presses so much off the line. And then that that leads into if you do get beat, right, then you're holding on to someone. So a little too handsy in that front. And then I think his technique and run support can can improve, I think you know, whether it's tackling form or being able to like pursuit angle, right? So as the play starts working towards that, you still have maintained that outside leverage and then being able to get off blocks, you kind of get caught in the middle. So it doesn't, it doesn't seem like it's his natural ability, but um, that's nothing, nothing too crazy, but I really liked him. I, I wanted him on the list. And as far as a comp goes, it's more so like, Hey, this is like we said, the traits that we see in the NFL based on what they, what we've seen on these players. I look at Carlton Davis. Um, you think that uh, he's a big 6'2 corner out of Tampa Bay. Um, he's been good for that defense. And then more of a, a throwback is Antonio Cromartie. Remember, he's tall, lanky kind of guy. Played a lot of, you know, press, man press, um, got in your face. 
you know, aggressive. So he made a lot of plays, also got flagged a lot. So, um, and we have that experience because, um, but he played obviously for the Chargers. So I don't know if he's off the field in Antonio Cromartie. I don't know how many kids he has um, for Elam, but I think he's going to be a good pro um, and in the right scheme, he can be great. So number four, Andrew Booth. I'm a little, I was really, I almost put him at number five, not that it matters to anyone, but um, I think he's good. Like he's six foot, sorry, Clemson cornerback, Andrew Booth, good first name, um, six foot, 195. He's going to run similar high four fours, low four fives, smooth athlete. Um, what I mean by that is you can tell the, the guys that are out there that it, their, their bodies all over the place, you know, and you can tell those guys that when they get in their back pedal, they get in and out of, you know, flipping their hips, things like that. It's just smooth. So, and that obviously helps that position. So I think oily hips is, is the, is the, hips, is the exactly. term that throws around at the, uh, at the draft or the combine a lot. That's Sorry, right. You don't want dried, dried hips. You need some oily hips to be able to move in and out of your brakes and swing those things around. So, um, he is six foot. He, he does have a pretty impressive wingspan. He looks, you know, looks pretty long on tape and good burst as far as like closing windows, right? So driving on the ball when the ball's in the air or driving up on the run. Once again, watched a little bit of his film, really aggressive coming up um, in run support that does fall into kind of the a knock on him. Just the technique needs improvement. He just flies. He just flies up there and leaves his feet too much. I think it's good and exciting if you make the play. And how many times have you seen someone just whiff, you know, so leaves his feet, lunges a little bit too much. Um, another thing, he doesn't have that top end speed. So I think he's explosive, right? He's explosive and quick, but can get beat over the top, longer breaking double move routes, things like that. Just something to keep an eye on. He, I mean, four, 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 low four fives is pretty fast, right? But this is a different type of, you know, people that are out there running compared to you and I. So just doesn't have that top end speed. Um, and then experience. He last year was his first year as a starter. Granted, a lot of guys have came through, you know, uh, AJ Terrell came through Clemson. So maybe it was similar, as you mentioned with Olave, you know, maybe just got passed up on, but I just think he did, doesn't have a lot of experience. So he's a little raw in certain areas, but definitely a good prospect to, to work. Um, and then comp, I always kind of hard. I didn't really know who he reminded me of, but what I came to is, kind of like Darius Slay light. Um, Darius Slay is obviously a really good corner, but he's a playmaker when the ball's in the air, um, smooth athlete and technician, but quicker than fast, you know, quicker burst and struggles a little bit and run support just based on size. Um, or you can go Vontae Davis, the most notably who just quit at halftime. Um, so there's that guy too. Uh, number three, Washington cornerback, Trent McDuffie. I love this dude, honestly. 5'11", buck 95. Um, he's going to run mid to high 4'4s more than fast enough. Um, some of the pros, he plays with his hair on fire, best tackler in the class. So that that means a lot to me, being able like being aggressive and also having the technique and form to tackle. <laughs> you know, there's a difference there. And he plays hard. He plays hard nonstop. So um, he's an explosive athlete, closes windows, um, you know, coming downhill and run support you blitzed him off the edge, you know, some of the games I watched blitz him off the edge, you know, and um, he plays that true. He's a true slot guy, right? It's he's the best slot corner in the class. And there's a ton of value in the NFL with that. You don't just need, you know, cornerback ones on the Island, on the outside, like Darrell Revis, you need guys that can be physical and work in the slot. And that's this guy. So some of the cons, and this is kind of the threshold um, comment that I talked about 
I don't know all of it, but I know that each team builds out basically a threshold of for each position, they need to meet this. So whether it's size, speed, you know, things like that, right? So if, tell me the last time you've seen a successful corner that ran four, six, five, four, seven. Okay. There was one who I was really high on that. And there's a reason he sucks. And it was the dude. Oh, it was, he was out of Florida a couple years ago. Hardgraves. No, he sucks though. He was fast. This is going to kill me. I'll figure it out. Anyways, I really loved him in the draft and we, uh, and basically he ran like a four, six, five. Anywho. So the threshold point is that his size, he just might, he might get knocked because, you know, because of his size, right? Some teams might say, Hey, we need our corners to be six foot and a half, six one, you know, and he might not meet that. So he might get pushed down on some boards. And the other thing is just limited man experience. So you're going to have to play man in the NFL. Um, he predominantly played that press drop zone coverage, right? Where it's you press zone, but you're really dropping into a quarter or a third, what have you playing that under two area. Um, in the slot. And then, so yeah, just limited man, man coverage experience and might just get knocked with, with a size, but the dude doesn't play like he's 5'11", 195, dude. He's probably my favorite corner in the class, honestly. Um, just is like one of those, like, I know he's not the best, but I, but I think he's, he's my favorite. I like him a lot. So CJ Henderson. No, oh, it was, thought I had it. Chauncey Gardner Johnson. No. Duke Dawson. No. Did he go early? He went. He, he went like second round. Marcus May. No, he's a safety. Quincy Wilson. No, I think I'm looking at the same list as you are. He went to the Vikings. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe it wasn't Florida. I really thought it was. Tease Tabor. I I passed up that name because I thought there's zero chance that was the name. <laughs> no, it was Tease Tabor. Interesting. 2017 went in the second round, and I was like, I love this dude. And I'm like, why is he going that late? Well, the dude's slow. He's just too, he's just not fast enough. And that it, you're dealing with freaks out there. Anyways, I love McDuffie. Uh, comp for me, or that I thought was Jair Alexander, cornerback. And this is high end, right? I don't, I'm not, once again, who knows about scheme or production, but the, what he reminds me of is Jair Alexander, similar build and scheme strength. Alexander's that he's a, a zone, he's his own corner, right? Struggles a little bit in man to man. That's when he usually gets beat. But all, but really the same kind of, dog mentality right he's really really aggressive really awesome in run support alexander's the same way that's what i think mcduffie and, and there's another washington corner that is is also great i forgot what his name is but he'll go probably he'll probably be number six or seven drafted might be higher actually uh, i think daniel jeremiah has him as number four on his corner so so really it comes down to these final two and this is this is the tough one so the the two that are out that are left is sauce gardner corner out of Cincinnati and Derek Stingley Jr. I had a hard time. And I, and I think there's, it's, it's one A and one B really. It's really what's pick your poison on this, but I think there's a reason that, you know, you can lean one way or the other. Number two for me is Stingley Jr. And coming into this year or in, even last year, this dude started as a true freshman at LSU and he was lights out. So six, one, 200 pounds, he's going to run, high four threes, low four fours. He's not running at the combine. Um, he's going to run at his pro day, but he's a burner. He's world-class athlete, not just speed, agility, burst, fluid hips, oily hips, Micah, and great footwork, quick feet, smart feet. Um, and he's, he's just a true island shutdown corner. That's what he, that's what he is. 50% of his snaps. 
He's an island boy. I know. <laughs> I was hoping he'd go there. He's an island boy. You throw him out there. Um, but 50% of his snaps um, was not press man coverage. They said, you go take the best guy. And, and you don't need over-the-top help. We don't, we don't need to worry about you. You go eliminate one of those guys. And so, and another pro, and I just, I just said, I just put Jamar Chase story. And so this is what I'm, that's in my notes. So basically, I just, I somehow stumbled upon this. It was a podcast I was listening to. They're talking about Stingley, and they interviewed Jamar Chase this past year and said, hey, you've gone up against a lot of corners. Um, you and A.J. Terrell battled. A.J. Terrell is out of Clemson. So LSU Clemson battled, right? They're like, is he the top corner that you yeah, you faced the toughest one? And he said, Derek Stingley, by far. So he was a sophomore last year. Stingley was a sophomore last year. So Chase played with him freshman as a true freshman, as a sophomore. He said, by far. He's like, he would go up like as a freshman one-on-one against Jamar Chase and just take him away. Just hearing that, I was like, fuck, he's good, right? So anyways, just thought it was a funny story. Pretty interesting for Jamar Chase. And he's a baller too, obviously. So um, the, the knocks on him, um, the production was inconsistent over the last two years since his freshman year. He was injured, so he was hurt 20 to, in 2020 and 2021, and I think you saw that he just wasn't 100%. Is that the true reason? I don't know, um, but I think it did hurt his production. Um, but also, if you just remove that, I think <laughs> I just watching – like hearing things and watching some some games, he's just selective in run support, if that makes sense, where it's just not his preference. Business decisions. It's makes business decisions and just not good technique. You know, kind of the effort isn't always there. So just a little inconsistent there. His production slipped for some injury issues. Or, I mean, LSU went downhill after Burrow and Chase left over the last two years. So who knows what it is. But, man, as far as experience, as far as traits go, like, He's the he's the freakiest dude in this quarter cornerback class, bar none. So teams are just going to have to figure out whether they are willing to sign off on his a little bit inconsistent performance and just the lingering um, injury issues. Now I think it was a Liz Frank, um, which is your foot, and it has been over history noted that that can end people's careers. Um, for some reason, I'm not a doctor, but my comp for him was Marshawn Lattimore. So I, I just like you, I looked at a lot of these comps and and then said, okay, how does it make sense? What do I think? I thought of him before looking at anything. I was really proud of myself. I was like, that's I like this. This is what it is. I finally figured it out. And then I'm like looking at all these different <laughs> websites, and everyone has the same thing. I'm like, damn it, I'm just ripping everyone else off. Um, but really, just elite man-to-man shutdown ability. Lattimore takes your best guy every time, twice on Tuesdays. So he's a freaky athlete. He's a competitor. You know, some guys are big, some guys are fast, you know, straight line or quick, you know, in between the lines. It's this guy, it has everything. He's just a, he's a freak. So he's going to go in the first round. He's going to go top, should go top 15, maybe top 10. For me, I have Sauce Garner. I think it's Chauncey Garner's, but he goes by Sauce Garner, which I think is badass. I just love him, dude. I love this guy. Um, not as much as Trent McDuffie, but Sauce is a better ball player. So you look at him out of Cincinnati, 6'3", 200 pounds. He's going to run high 4'4s, low 4'5s, which is plenty fast. I think he's got elite size and physicality. 6'3 is big for a corner, and he plays like it. He plays very physical. He plays like a dog. His burst and closing speed is very good. He's not a track star by any means, um, but just – his ability to close on routes and support the run um, kind of when he's, you know, point downfield is, is very impressive. His production is insane. 
So last game that he played against Alabama in the college football semi um, semifinals, and they got dudes, right? And this is before Jameson Williams got hurt. Targeted four times. They only threw him four times. He only gave up 14 yards. Okay, so that's going to be – that kind of ties into some of the knocks on him, which is competition he faced, competition level. They are in the – AAC or whatever it is, they're they're non-power five. So that's kind of the knocks. But I'm like, okay, well, when he played Bama, who always have it's a revolving door of round one wide receivers, targeted four times. That's very intentional. Only 14 yards. Gave up no touchdowns in his entire career. Zero. Now, once again, competition, but I'm like, I'm sorry. You still you have to be a dude, right? And a guy to do that. So really impressive production, impressive um physicality and build wingspan really good burst once again not a not a burner burner by any means but he's six three give him a break dude just the knocks on him once again competition that he faced top end speed like we've mentioned off zone experience um basically whether it's playing off or playing in zone just doesn't have a lot of experience just the opposite of trent mcduffie basically i put 98 percent of his snaps were in man press that's just because that's all i saw i don't think that's the right number but He's in your face trying to eliminate you on the line of scrimmage, and that's what he does. So you're going to have to play off the ball in the NFL. You're going to have to play in some zone. I don't know. They're going to Someone's going to use him for whatever strengths are. I just think he's badass, dude. I think he, because of the unknown concerns with, with Stingley, that's the only reason why I put him above. Characters off the charts. I think, you know, Stingley's injury history, lack of production just makes you feel a little bit whatever, right? But – Sauce played as a true freshman, just like him, played all the way through, you know, the last three years. So a lot of snaps and just really, he's a competitor. He's a dog. He's plenty fast, you know, very physical athlete. And he's just going to be one of those guys that you just say, you go on the other side of the field and you take take out their best guy and you're playing him all day, every day. I've seen a lot of, you know, comp-wise, what he reminds me of, very Jalen Ramsey-esque. Ramsey was faster. He was more of a 4-3 guy. But if you look at Jalen Ramsey over the last four years, doesn't win with speed. He wins off his physicality, off of his technique, off of his closing. Really, he's an active participant in the run game, um, just like Ramsey is. So it's kind of like that. If you want something else, maybe like a Richard Sherman, um, think of his length, think of his size um, and playing that press. Sherman played more of that press man, um, but also press zone with that you know, cover three Gus Bradley scheme. So anyways, something like that, but I just think length, speed, competitiveness, very similar to those two. I just, I think he's, he's a baller. He's not going to get to us at 22. I want to tell myself that and everyone else, he won't be there. And if he's there, then there's something wrong. So he's likely to go top 15, top 10 teams might favor Stingley or him over the other. So we'll see, but it's a good group, dude. Um, It's a good group. There's few other guys that, like I said, there's that Washington guy, there's corner out of Baylor. There's a lot of talent. And I think the reason I'm saying that we're not going to dive into it, but it's, it's a very deep class and we can definitely get a starter in, you know, second round if we don't go in the first round or on day two or day three. So good class, deep class. Unfortunately, that's why a lot of these guys are going to fly off the board, um, you know, earlier because it is a good class and, you know, it's like really the top end guys. And then, you know, some teams might push and be forced to take someone because they don't want to lose out, or it might be deep enough to where you can find some value in the later end. So good group overall. I think that, you know, I, I guess I didn't give the round proje- projections, you know, kind of like what you did, but I think all five of these, well, the top three are going to go in the first round guaranteed for me. I think Booth could go in the first round. I think 
depending on the team Elam could, but regardless, this this class of five, I, I would probably say eight eight of these corners are going to go in the first two rounds. So pick your poison. It's just like wide receiver where it's what flavor do you like? Do you need someone to win in the slot? Do you need someone to win in zone, um, win outside, whatever? But it's a good group. A lot of guys that would be very happy if the Raiders were able to snag. But unfortunately, the two that I'm obsessed with aren't going to be there. And the third in McDuffie, I don't think he'll be there either. So, But I hope he does. Oh, because if we got him at 22, I'd be so fired up. And he's got the MCD in the back you know, on, on his jersey, just like us would if we were football players and stuff, you know. So anyways, I'll stop talking. I'll let you dive in here. Well, um, I love I love everything, all the information you just threw out at us with that. I think what was cool about us doing wide receivers and corners is that they are very similar in this draft in regards to you know, deep groups and you've got the, you know, top two or three guys that are probably going to be going in a top 15 range. And then like, where does everything pan out with the rest of them? So I think the Raiders at 22 are in a position where they could see a top receiver slide to that point or see a top corner slide to that point. It just kind of depends on, you know, who's where in regards to the teams. And like you said, fits and and, and where people need uh, certain guys. So, um, I'm excited. I, I think that the way you went about kind of addressing what's important and all that kind of stuff, you're starting to see length be a huge, a huge thing. And, and people um, like a Ramsey that is long and fast too. I think one thing that I guess is I don't necessarily look at a whole lot. And it's it, this is obviously a no duh. Like, of course, they should be good at that. But you'd be surprised how many corners aren't great at like, judging the ball in the air um, as far as like getting their, getting their head around to get their arms up at, you know, in a good timing range and just playing the ball in the air, obviously receivers that, that is a, has to be a good thing that, you know, they're able to do because they're the ones that the ball's going to, but having a corner that is fluid um, and knows, you know, when to get his arms up and, and just how to play the ball in the air, I think is, I, I don't want to necessarily say underrated thing, but it's something that I kind of notice that like, it's kind of surprising how many people aren't that great at it. You know what I mean? They just, they, they live and die off of being able to be physical, stick to their guy and put that receiver in a hard position to make a catch as opposed mm-hmm. to being the person that goes up and like knocks the ball away or like ends the play itself. So. Yeah. I like that. It's a good point because there's a difference between, you know, technique and just natural ability, right? So natural ball skills, like have you ever thrown a remote across across the, the living room and you know like i'll throw it to you and you'll you won't even look you'll just snatch it out of the air and then you see the people that just act like they're fielding a punt you know you're just like just not natural but it's i i think that's a great point because you see these guys it's like well now when the ball's in the air what are you gonna do and that's it's really that they become a receiver at that point you know that they treat it that way and yeah anyways good point overall there's a lot of different ways to to look at it but i think it shows up on sunday where you're like well, that would have been great if you had hands, Trayvon Morg, you know, could have won that game. Yeah, exactly. And it's that's the whole, like, trope about, like, people who play DB are, you know, um, people who couldn't, weren't good enough to play receiver, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. like, jokingly. But and Those who can't teach, teach PE. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think there was... You know, a lot of a lot of great information there. I'm very excited. I I'm I like this you know format that we're going to kind of take in regards to um, you know I'll take one spot, you take the other because um, mm-hmm. it does 
help us dive into, you know, one side as opposed to like flipping back and forth on one position. So, yeah, it eliminates a little redundancy, um, but I think it's cleaner. So I, I enjoy it too. Yeah. So excited to see where we go from here in regards to next positions. Excited to see what comes about from the draft uh, or not the draft, the combine this weekend. I believe Friday, Saturday, Sunday are the days that they actually do the testing. So this time next week, when we come come around, we'll have some uh, you know some headlines for you in regards to the combine, who did well, who didn't do well, surprises, you know, letdowns, that kind of stuff. But uh, anything, any last words before we head out of here? No, I'm excited. It's been fun um, to get into this stuff. And if you like mock drafts, just wait the, till the Monday. Well, I guess it might go till Monday. I don't know. Wait till the day after the combine's over because that's when it's going to be rapid fire. Because really from there, the only thing else you can evaluate that's new is pro days, new information. Everything else is basically it's signed, sealed, delivered, and and I'm yours. You know, But no, all good. That was fun. Great nation. Love you guys. Thanks for listening to our draft expertise. Once again, we're not draft experts, but we do enjoy it. And hopefully this paints a good picture around these players, their, their, you know, their attributes and also how they could fit with the Raiders. So as always stand up, sit down. It's the off season. Catch y'all next time. And I love love you guys also love you guys. As always, we appreciate the love. Please share, subscribe, rate, review, give us those five stars on Apple podcasts. Go check out the website, RaiderTakePodcast.com. It's got all the merch, got all the ways you can listen to us. Um, It's got a picture of me and Andy with Tim Brown when we were nine. Uh, (laughs) And go uh, subscribe on YouTube. The YouTube helps a lot. And I hand up. I've been I've been slacking um, as far as getting videos up. But February time to decompress from the season. As we jump into this draft stuff, there's going to be a lot more to get up on there. So YouTube's uh, about to hit full force. Go subscribe on there. It really helps out a lot in supporting us. We'll try to get out as much content content as possible. But yeah, uh, until then, post combine. We hope you all enjoyed it, and uh, we'll see you all next week. Peace.